Hello, hello, hello. My name is Robert. I am the recovery guy, and you have entered into the fix. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Robert. I am the Recovery Guy. Welcome back to Recovery Guy Podcast. It is good to have you with me today. I'm always excited to um, record a podcast and share with you what has been on my heart. And and certainly there is so much on a regular basis. Um, as many of you follow me on Instagram and Facebook and so on, you'll know that I've been around for a minute. And the further I go in my personal recovery, the more important I think every day is. Maybe it's because I'm getting older, right? I'll be 68 years old on January 3rd. And I think the older I get in my personal recovery, as well as my chronological age, I understand even more so the importance of time, right? When we're young, we have that invincibility theory that we're bulletproof. And I found out at an early age that I wasn't bulletproof. Um, I believe I became cellularly addicted to alcohol by the time I was 18 years old, where I needed alcohol and subsequently drugs to just perform, just to be a part of the day. Of course, that would in increase as time went up into my um, my 32nd year of living where I could not exist without alcohol. So alcoholism, drug addiction is progressive over any considerable period. As it says, things get worse, never better. Having said that, on Sunday, I had, well, let me go back to Saturday. Saturday, I had 12,999 days, right? 12,999 days of consecutive recovery, one day at a time, right? You know what was even more exciting? 13,000 days on Sunday. Kind of crazy, isn't it? We live in this world where we are given an opportunity to live. Sometimes people ask me, Robert, you have such an energy. You have such a zeal toward life. Does, don't you ever get tired of this? And it's like, why? Why would I? When we, because if you're an addict and alcoholic like me, people have given us of hope. My dad, you know, as many of you know my story, he thought that when he dropped me off at the Rhett Butler Motel after my relapse, I think it was on April uh, 19th of 1986, my dad would tell me later he thought he would never see me alive again, right? Um, some of us have had cancer diagnosis, other types of physical diagnosis, and the prognosis was we weren't going to get better, right? And here we are. We're we're relishing in our recovery. And, and I'll tell you what, the joy of living our joy, like it says in the big book on page 17, our joy in escape from disaster does not subside as we go our own individual ways. I'm as excited today. Matter of fact, I'm probably even more excited today when I got my 30, my 69, my 90-day, my six-month, my year. I'm certainly more excited when I than when I got my 10, my 20, my 30-year chip because I know the longer I go, 
in this recovery, the more of a positive statistic and influence I can be, right? I'm so excited about what lies ahead of me. Hey, let's get to today's podcast. A little bit of business to take care of first. Um, go to my um, my new YouTube channel, Real Recovery Guy. Real Recovery Guy. Look at some of my videos. Jay Roberts and I threw these down. Uh, and Jeff about... Um, Four years ago, something like that, almost five years ago, I've got all 12 steps there. I've got 32 videos. They're all free. Take a look. Check them out. Go to Real Recovery uh, Real Recovery Guy on YouTube, obviously, Recovery underscore Guy on Instagram. Go to the major podcast channels for Recovery Guy Podcaster. Follow me on the Recovery Guy on Facebook or recoveryguy.org. Having said all of that... Let's talk about holiday triggers. Holiday triggers, as we just passed through Thanksgiving, and I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving, if that's something you celebrate. And we're coming up on Christmas. Hanukkah just started, I think, two days ago, um, or yesterday was the first day of Hanukkah. And we have a lot of holiday traditions coming up with the monotheistic religions of the world come in this window of time. Obviously, as a Christian, uh, we celebrate December 25th at the birth of Christ. So we have a lot of holidays, holiday parties, holiday traditions, different holiday things that we are expected and we want to be a part of, right? Uh, in our recovery, one of the greatest things about recovery is sort of reintroducing ourselves into a sense of normalcy, right? And I've got a podcast on that. If you're afraid of that word normal, don't be afraid. Why wouldn't you want to be normal, right? If I'm restored to sanity, if I can become well, then why can't I become normal, right? It says that in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, but that's another topic. So holiday triggers. I think one of the most challenging things for any person of recovery is holidays and the triggers that often accompany them right? In the beginning, holidays can be the most challenging obstacle to our pro, to our personal recovery. Once again, going back to my personal story, my first holiday, uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas back in 1986. Again, I've told this story before. It means so much to me. My dad hugged me, told me he loved me, and said, Bobby, your mom and I used to worry about you, but we don't worry about you anymore. That was my first sober Christmas. And my dad, <laughs> my dad said that to me. My dad would actually even give me my one-year chip at the only AA meeting he would ever go to. As much as I knew, my dad got sober without Alcoholics Anonymous. And, and yet he was there anyway back in, um, in December of that year, probably just about a week before Christmas. That is what my dad said to me. And so I, I was very fortunate. I started off with a, with a great uh, holiday gift. And that was the reconciliation between my dad and me. Having said that, the holidays can be the most challenging obstacles. And this is true. I need your attention here. This is true whether you are the addict or the codependent. Now, 
keep in mind, it has been my experience that most addicts are also adult children of alcoholics or what we call ACAs, right? So many of us are. Therefore, the codependent category applies to us as well. So as I go through some of the things I'll chat about today, keep in mind, you may relate to both of them, both sides of the coin, because we have that background, right? So what we want to do, we want to inform you so you are insulated against relapse. Unfortunately, many people sadly and unnecessarily relapse just because it is the holiday. And a lot of times to to be forewarned is to almost gain a defense, right? If I know that there's an obstacle ahead of me, as my, as my sponsor, Slow Will, would say, you know, Bobby, he said, you don't have to keep hitting your head against that wall, right? Because every every week or two weeks or three weeks, I would I would be in this emotional distress over the same thing. He said, you know, it's perfectly okay to go around it. You don't have to beat yourself up every time you come across it. Go around, go around and go around, and pretty soon you avoid it altogether. We can do this while still enjoying ourselves in a festive and a holiday season. Now, here are a few of the things that we need to look out for as we approach this time of year. Now, what I did was I en- I enlisted uh, our friend Susie, of course, Susie DMD, follow her on Instagram. What a wonderful friend to Laura and me and so insightful. But at Susie D, the initial D, MD, she's a medical uh, professional. She is a dentist. And so at Susie DMD, check her out. She is also an Al-Anon, and so she gave me, I tapped her brain today and a little bit of wisdom, and and in this area, actually, she has a lot of wisdom, don't get me wrong, but I, but in this area, I said, you know what, Susie, give, give me the top three things that you think codependents face, and I certainly related to them because as an adult child of an alcoholic, I, I'm codependent as well, right? And if you listen to enough of my podcasts, you can figure that one out all by yourself. So I've got three of the things that I think are, you know, important to me and stand out to me that I still safeguard myself against. And three of the things that Susie brought to me as, as an Al-Anon member, an active Al-Anon member, working the steps, working the program, working with the sponsor and helping others. It's no surprise that Susie is being restored to sanity and lives a wonderful, productive life as a single mom and a, and a mom to three teenagers. Having said that, here here are the first three things that we'll cover from addicts. And if you want to fill these in or message me later, ask me a little bit more questions about these, by all means, feel free to do so. So the first one is going to be expectations, right? Expectations, when not met, can disappoint us and cause us emotional distress, a big deal. Expectations. How I expect others to be or a situation to be. Normally what they talk about uh, will get away in my sobriety or my serenity is people, places, and things, right? So often when I go into a circumstance, 
Well, almost all the time, it's going to involve a person. It's going to involve a place. And it's likely going to involve a thing, right? So I'm going to a family member's house. That's the place. There are going to be family members there. Those are the people. And the thing is the holiday get-together, right? So people, places, and things. Sometimes they're independent, but in this particular case, this time of year, it normally involves all three, which means we have to be extra on guard. And our expectations need to be minimized so we don't set ourselves up for failure. We don't sabotage ourselves. So one of the things that we want to do, we want to minimize our expectation that we don't exceed our level of emotional distress. One of the things that Father Martin, and I'll say it once, I'll say it a thousand times, it is a natural human response. He says this during Chalk Talk. It's a natural human response to seek relief from that which is uncomfortable, right? And if my expectations are high, especially expectations with people, places, and things that I don't control, I'm increasing my likelihood for emotional distress. Emotional distress can cause pain and pain can cause me to want to use. The second thing is personal condemnation is also something to be aware of. This is a big deal. If we're still beating ourselves up over our past, then our present is never going to feel comfortable. We are not going to fit in regardless of how well we are greeted. Matter of fact, we, because we don't want to look at ourselves as being the problem, right? We have met the enemy and it is us. When we stare into the abyss, as Nietzsche said, it stares back, right? So, so we have to be very careful of personal condemnation. Let's set down the two by four. Right? Let's stop beating ourselves up over our past, even our present, because even in my present at three and a half decades at this, I still make mistakes. I'm still a knucklehead. Ask Laura. She'll tell you. Ask my children. They'll tell you. Ask my associates to say Robert can be a little sideways sometimes, right? Because I'm still a human being. Let's set aside that two by four that we use to remind us of, of what a low achiever we are or what a failure we are. Let's set aside the personal condemnation. Let's allow ourselves to be human just for a moment. Because when we are clouded with condemnation, we can't see people even treating us properly. And if they are treating us properly and we see that, we wonder what their motive is. Maybe their motive is just to be kind, right? Did you ever think of that? But if I have personal condemnation, I'm always going to think that they have a motive because I'm not comfortable with me. I love Covey talking about the inside out approach to change in quality, right? Very, very important here. So I need to make sure that I'm okay. Now, the challenge is in the past, we would have had a drink or a drug or gambled or engaged in pornography or whatever just to make our feel good feel good. Now we can't self-medicate. It has to come from within. It has to come in many cases, and for me in all cases, 
with a power greater than myself. This is really where, you know, if you don't have a sponsor, get a sponsor. Man, I'll tell you what, everything that we're going to talk about today from the A-A-N-A-O-A-G-A-S-A, you name it, side of the house or the Al-Anon side of the house. If you don't have a sponsor, please don't tell me that something's not going right because it's not going right. This is my recovered position. If you're not working the program, how can you expect the program to work for you? If you're not working the steps, if you're not working the plan of recovery, if you're not going to meetings, if you're not working with your sponsor, if you're not sharing with others, then why do you expect things to be going good for you, right? Rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. If you are, those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program. So if you're stumbling along the way, I'm going to ask you, are you working a plan of recovery? Are you going to meetings? Are you working the steps? Do you have a sponsor? Are you working with others? And if you tell me you're not doing one of those things, I'm going to ask you, why are you surprised? We thought we could find an easier, softer way, but we could not. The easier, softer way, ladies and gentlemen, is the plan of recovery. Enough said on that. The next thing I find, and I heard this years ago with the Joyce Landorf, his Undying Love series, and Joyce introduced me to the term, are you ready for this? Irregular people. Irregular people can be an obstacle to us. And they often come disguised as someone that we otherwise would love. An irregular person is someone through blood or social circumstances who is part of our personal and family life, yet they drive us crazy. Mom, dad, sister, brother, significant other, children, what have you. They are that person that in one way, shape, or form, we are joined with them through blood or social or other indirect family ties that we just can't shake loose of. And they, we've never felt that they're for us. We never understand them, whatever the situation is. But they are part of our personal and family life, and they're just going to be there. They can be a person who is always or has always been an obstacle for us. And, and again, a person who we feel never supported us. We can't ignore them in spite of not seeing eye to eye with them. Be aware that these people exist. So when we look at the addict standpoint, expectations, we have to measure our expectations and make sure we're fair to others and to ourselves to reduce our emotional stress. Of course, personal condemnation, put that two by four down. Give ourselves a break. Stop being harder on us than others are on us. I heard a long time ago, Robert, if you said to you, if I said to you, let me get this right. If I said to you the things that you say to you, what would you say to me? And, you know, I thought about it. I thought, man, if you talk to me the way I talk to me, I tell you to get out of my life. Then how come it's okay for me to be negative toward me if I don't allow you 
to be negative toward me. And you know what the answer is? It's not fair that I'm negative toward me. And then finally, know who your regular people are and just embrace them, love them, treat them like a sick friend, do whatever you need to do because you're not getting away from them. They're your irregular people. Learn to love them, learn to embrace them, learn to accept them as you want to be accepted by others. It is better to understand than it is to be understood as um, uh, the uh, prayer of St. Francis of Assisi would say. It is better to understand than it is to be understood. Now from the codependent side, from Susie's contribution, I'm going to paraphrase her a little and she'll listen to this. So if I'm really off base, she'll call me and ask me to correct it. But I think I jotted these things down uh, with with the spirit of which she uh, uh, intended to share them with me. First of all, Susie said, Robert, it's a holiday. Doesn't, isn't that enough? And I really like that because sometimes we just sort of freeze up. The holidays can have so many connotations with us and so many different meanings. And, 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 and all of a sudden it means meeting this person and going to, to that person's house and all these things that are expected. The fact that it is a holiday and nothing else can set off a trigger and begin to create imaginary pressures as we feel the need to perform, right? In any family dynamic where addiction is occurring, and, and this is a whole nother podcast, another topic, but there are roles, the placator, right? The problem child, there, there's so many overachievers, right? There's so many different roles that we play. And as a codependent, we become performers, right? We have to, there is this there's this term, it's called homeostasis. It's the, it's the ability to appear balanced. Now, the challenge is our life, our home is imbalanced. Our personal situation, we carry the imbalance with us because we're not comfortable being balanced because there always is something that's out of sync. And so we become very chameleon in terms of who we have to be in a particular social and family setting in order to feel a balance along the way. And our role is based on the uncomfortable position we are in. So if we know we're having, you know, a Christmas Eve function or a Christmas party function or a gathering at Aunt Betty's, and we know that that Uncle Tom, Aunt Betty's husband, is an alcoholic and not a very friendly one, we know that we have to be a particular way in order to bring some sort of balance to that circumstance just because it's a holiday. So we know in advance what's going to be expected of us in a holiday situation. And just knowing that it is the holidays is enough to get us sideways. Sometimes it is the traditions, right? Do you have traditions that, that, that you're expected to participate in? Any reindeer games, as it were, that you are expected to join in? A lot of them, because of the hypocrisy that is accompanied with them, they don't carry a lot of fond memories. 
And yet we are expected to engage in these traditions as if they do. Just forget about it. Just set it aside. Don't worry about this. Don't worry about that. Just have fun because we're supposed to have fun. But we resent that. And oftentimes we do. We will resent their tradition and those who force us to participate as if everything is fine and we know it's not fine. We become resentful. We become irritable. We wish we could be somebody else somewhere else in that moment, certainly doing something else. The third one that Susie brought up is that feeling of requirement. I really love that she brought this up. This is a big deal. The feeling of requirement to give unwelcome, right, family members, unwelcome family members, emotional access to us. It's a big deal. Just because it's the holidays and they are family. Oh, just be nice to so-and-so. Just go hug so-and-so. Just go act like you care about so-and-so. And and we're, we're not well re- regarding them. Or maybe we are well and we've established boundaries. And we said, you know what? I'm not going to tolerate this. And yet we're moved. We, we need to be that placator. We need to just get along just for that moment, just for that window. So we have to expand our boundaries or set aside our boundaries because there's a family requirement and some way we're still kind of uh, held hostage to them. So again, we're often asked to ignore, maybe not directly, but indirectly asked to ignore or expand boundaries we're not comfortable with to accommodate this emotional requirement. These are big deals to so many of us. So I think these are some of the triggers that could be presented to us along the way. We do the best we can to navigate through them. Sometimes the best defense we have is to know that they exist. Just beware of them. Beware of expectations, personal condemnation, irregular people, The fact that it is a holiday. Traditions that we have become very distasteful and we're resentful of. And then that feeling of requirement, that emotional hostage feeling of having to show care and concern for people that we otherwise really don't have a care and concern about doesn't make us a bad person. It just means we don't feel that way and yet we're expected to act a particular way. Again, sometimes the best defense we have is to know that they do exist. And we go into our situation expecting them with the proper defense. Knowing is oftentimes, if I know that obstacle's there, I can make a provision for it and move around it with little to no distraction, with little to no hindrance. Sometimes, you know, there there's a detour along the road, right? And I just have to turn left here and then turn right there and then turn left again to get back on the path. Because going through that construction zone can be very dangerous. So I just go around it. But I know it's there. I know what to expect. And I know I've got another route to take in order to get me safely through. 
I believe our best friend when it comes to this is time. I was telling a person on Facebook earlier today that the best friend we have with our recovery is time. It's like height, right? When I played basketball, you could teach a lot, but you can't teach height, right? I can share a lot with you, but I can't give you time. I can impart in you wisdom and things that others have shared with me along the way or insights, but I can't give you time. Time is time. Time takes care of itself. The further we continue to practice good mental and emotional health, the better off we will be. I hope this has been helpful. If it has, listen to it, listen to it again, share it with someone you care for who may be experiencing this holiday trigger syndrome that so many of us do. Thank you so much for participating. Don't forget to go to Real Recovery Guy on YouTube or Recovery underscore Guy on Instagram, recoveryguy.org. Listen to the podcasts on major podcast channels. Download my blogs at recoveryguy.org. Visit me on Twitter uh, at recoveryguy1986 or even find me on TikTok. I'm finally doing TikTok, opening up my Etsy store. We'll give you all that information later. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for listening to Recovery Guy Podcast. And as always, remember, we get broken apart and we get whole together. My name is Robert and I am the Recovery Guy.